2: Welcome to the Think Future podcast, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California.
1: We focus on innovation, startups and the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily
2: in that order. Here's your host.
0: Today we have Marty Constant. I love your name, by the way, because I wish I had an easy-to-pronounce name like yours, and because you, you can riff off it so amazingly. Uh, from what was the name of your company again? I'm sorry, I slipped my mind. Constant Change
2: Constant is the name Change. of the company. Right. And it's Constant, spelled with a
0: K. Constant with a K. That's right. Perfect. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what you do?
2: Okay, hey, I am a workplace futurist. And what that means is I concentrate on everything that has to do with the workplace. Right. Um, cultivating happy, profitable employees would be one of them. But really making certain people are prepped for the future as it's impacted by technology and all the other change that has come upon us.
0: Right. Yeah, no, that's a, that's fantastic. I love I love both of those words together because, um, I mean, and and talking about a futurist, I think a little bit all of us are futurists to a degree, right? Because we have to plan a certain amount of ahead of time. Uh, but one of the one of the nice things about what you do is that you're lo- you're basically looking at the way technology and culture changes over time and how these things affect people in the workplace, which is something that I I think that. It, it's something that really needs to be looked at because I think our our workplaces currently are kind of broken and they need to be worked on to make them better. And I don't think people really know how to do that yet because we're still going by our old systems of, of doing things. And I don't think the, the culture or the maybe human beings themselves have not really caught up to the best way of being able to work.
2: Right. That's correct. Um, And to add to that, um, Chris, is that this notion of having expectations about what mm-hmm. it should be like versus uh, looking around, taking an assessment of what is going on, monitoring the change, and figuring out now how are my time and talents and technique going to be effective in this environment? So that that is from the perspective of the accountability of the individual, but there's also the other part of the accountability on the organizations and our educational institutions.
0: Right. So do you think that something changed in 2008? I have this feeling that after the Great Recession, the contract between the employer and the employee changed. I just, I just have the sense. I don't have any, any strong data against it, but I mean, what are your thoughts?
2: I, I think it totally changed. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was a, um, a, a famous body of work that was done. It was done way before 2008, but right. it talks about the employer-employee compact, and they call it compact, mm-hmm. C-O-M-P-A-C-T, has yeah. changed. And um, Reed Hoffman and his team, when they were working on all of their uh, talent books and the startup of you, uh, really great content. Um, they were saying that things have changed and that when LinkedIn was leaning into this, um, they they realized that people had to change the way that they think about work. The organization, let's call it LinkedIn for the sake of the conversation, right. had to understand that we're here to help, but it's up to the individual to develop and grow and not necessarily stay in that same role. They would love to have you for as long as you're contributing and growing and moving on to the next thing, but not necessarily a rinse and repeat kind of thing.
0: Right. So the responsibility for the growth has now moved to the employee as opposed to the the corporation that they work for. Is that correct?
2: That's right. It has Moved. I, I believe that it's moved to the employee, but I think that there is a responsibility on the part of the employer. You're talking about what's broken. Yeah. When, when education and training is made available to the employee base, I think the right type of training and education needs to be made available. Um, not necessarily that they're going to be spoon-fed it, but when someone says, I'd really like to develop in this area – I think they need to be invested in the same way that someone that is on a track and that's a high potential person um, where they're getting all this leadership training. I don't think we can afford to wait until someone's 40 years old to get leadership training because a lot of our leaders are between the ages of 20 and 30.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So do you think that do you think that nowadays that 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 that's actually being met or they're sorely lacking in those areas?
2: I think that part of it is lacking. There's a um, there's a book written by Chip Conley, Wisdom at Work, and he cited uh, this study uh, done by uh, a famous coach and analyst, and they um, found out that there is just this tremendous need because there's there's a lot of millennial managers that yep. have been doing it for ten years before they get trained. So I think that this is going on people are aware that it's an issue um i know in a lot of his speaking um and the work that he's doing um is really talking to the organizations and saying you know this this needs to be assisted and supported people you know we want people to be accountable but they can't do it 110 alone yeah Yeah. And, and you can't just you can't just like develop the cream yeah. what about the potentials that haven't really gotten any kind of attention because their personality structure is different and they don't command attention
0: yeah exactly exactly so it should be it should be uh, available for everyone to pick up
2: yes and I would even go so far as to say that this idea of coaching um, it wasn't a big deal when I was coming up in business. Mm-hmm. And now there's a lot of coaching that is available. In fact, it's a fast-growing profession. Yeah, it's absolutely. needed. Um, I noticed when I was in business school, I went to a top-tier business school. We did not get coaches assigned to the department. Mm-hmm. I just gave a webinar last summer to a group of coaches all over the country from top-tier schools Um, on my topic, which is agility, uh, and how that's changed the workplace. And it it suddenly hit me, oh, my gosh, all of these schools have coaches that are on staff that are available to make these students and assist these students in being successful to reach their goals and to get the kind of work that they want to get. Fantastic. That was not available. Outside Mm -hmm. of the counseling, you know, we had counselors. I graduated in 95 from business school. Mm-hmm. We had counselors. We didn't have, um, there was no, no, nothing as a coach. So I think yeah. there's a lot of coaches around. There's a lot of online models um, and coaches that could be, you know, even economical if uh, corporations would look at it that way. But um, I think people just flourish when they can be cultivated rather than just thrown into the to the fire.
0: Yeah, you know, absolutely. And and if you think about the employee engagement that comes out of that, it's it's much higher, right? Because you're talking about these people are much more invested you know, the, my company's investing in me. I'm investing in in education and I'm going to be much more engaged in in my, my work with the company if if this sort of thing is available to me. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Very cool. Very cool. So so speaking of an employee engagement, this is something that it's kind of, it's almost like in some of the engagements that I've been under, there's a lot of, I mean, there's certain areas within the organization who are really interested in improving employee engagement because we don't, there's plenty of studies out there that say employee engagement is at an all time low, right? And there's plenty of org, uh, departments that are interested in increasing that. But then if you think about it, is there enough being spent? on increasing employee engagement or is there, is there something lacking in leadership saying, you know what? We don't really need that. Let them, let them engage themselves. If they're really interested in working harder, they can do it on their own. I mean, are you seeing that happening at all?
2: I am not seeing it happening full throttle, but Mm -hmm. I do see it happening or hearing about it in some organizations. I read about it. I read a lot of books um, analyzing corporations.
1: Mm-hmm. A lot of
2: things being done over in Europe. I think there's there's companies that are um, investing in that way, and they're bringing in people like um, you know uh, people that say would be on the older side of the population as an employee. They're bringing them in to play roles that could be um, uh, coaching in line with the organization. So they teach them how to coach. They've got the wisdom and the experience of how certain things work. And they, they do a a multi-generational trade agreement between one person that's in one generation with another person that's in another generation. And you exchange the knowledge. Um, And I just love this idea of the trade agreement. I cannot take, um, uh, credit for this. This is a Chip Conley-ism. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he talked about the EQDQ trade agreement. It's just a, a marvelous idea And because people are working longer. Um, why? I mean, do you have to do the exact same thing all the way until you retire?
0: Might right. you
2: take your vast wisdom of how things work and move into another role um, as, as you're you know, thinking about not retiring.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. I would love to see more of that. More of that here. But I mean, is that something that's a European thing or um, a cultural? That's a huge cultural change difference between here in the a, U.S. Right?
2: It's a huge cultural thing. There, there are some companies, um, and I can't rattle them off right now. And again, I'm I'm going back to the Wisdom at Work book. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, there are a number of companies in the U.S. that are cited. Um, and there are a number of companies in Europe as well. So similar to, I, I mean, I liken it to when I first heard five years ago or four years ago, you know, Startup Review, and I, I, I heard the philosophy of Reid Hoffman and Be- Ben Koznocha who wrote the Startup Review, and the philosophy. And I thought, huh, there are companies that are really implementing this, mm-hmm. that they are um, expecting. And not only that, they... We're actually supportive of the personal brand within the corporation, Oh, nice. meaning meaning that when someone goes out to speak on behalf of a company like LinkedIn or, you know, um, Google or whatever, you um, are representing the company, but you're also representing yourself. So the glow of the company comes back to you. And guess what? It's a triple play. You are reinforcing the employer brand as well, which is your main recruitment tool.
1: Right. So, Absolutely. It,
2: you know, so it, it's a, it's a win win, whereas before it used to be, we don't want this person to get too full of themselves. But why shouldn't they be out there talking about the technology or the process? And then what happens is they come back from those conferences that the companies need to invest in. They come back from those conferences and they inject innovation that they've learned. From the global marketplace at a conference, they inject that back into the organization. That's how innovation gets processed through an organization. Oh, yeah. And these are, these are thought things that happens, you know, from the, the books um, from uh, Reed Hoffman and Ben Kosnocha.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. But there's so many companies that are so afraid of their employees going out there and talking to anybody or the media or whatever. You have to do rigorous media training and make sure you don't say the wrong thing because this or that might occur. And then there's the others who are more enlightened and understand that these things will happen and we just have to kind of roll with the punches. It's almost more of a planning versus resilience thing. But it's kind of led me to – I remember – I don't know if you saw that big – that long interview between Elon Musk and Joe Rogan where near the end he said, like, what's your final – Words And Elon said something to the effect of we should give people more credit. And I think that's a totally, totally true statement is that uh, we don't a lot of employers don't give their employees enough credit that, you know, they're going to be doing these things that are right for the corporation. And I think I think that's what we need to see all across the board is that we have to stop monitoring people so closely and assuming they're. They're children or something. These are adults that know what they're doing. We have to trust them that they know what, that they know what they're doing. And in this kind of situation, it's it's kind of like a different, a completely different relationship between the employer and the employee. And I think it harkens a little bit back to, you know, Dan Pink with his book uh, Free Agent Nation back in 2002. You know, talking about how in the future everyone will be a uh, a free agent, and then free agents will just sort of cluster up for projects and then go on their own way. And it hasn't quite happened yet. But do you see that happening? Even more and more,
2: I do see that happening. I've been trying to get some stats on it. I went to a TED talk recently or TEDx event, and um, I'm still trying to grab these stats. But there, there are some. There's some research that states that companies are hiring. Big companies, say a Fortune 500 company, mm-hmm. are hiring less people right now. Yeah than they would have in uh, of a former decade to, to accomplish the same amount of work right and, and I don't I don't have hard data on that as this is you know some of these studies but and one of the things that I've observed uh, just because I know um, a lot of people that are consultants that you know used to be in marketing and consumer packaged goods and they um, are no longer doing that yet their skills, are highly valued and they're working on special projects now. So what the companies are doing is they're bringing in, say the contract labor or high paid consultants, which you can still make a good living at that. Mm -hmm. They're bringing them in to get their projects done. And they're, um, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you can think of the organization as being more of the general managers of the specialty projects. So you're not going to have the, um, the specialty people on staff all the time, because why would you need that or want that if you mm, only need it for six months? Interesting. Um, so these are, these are things that affect our numbers. And this is the other side of the equation is the, um, the numbers on freelance. I'm glad you brought up Dan Pink and the freelance is the freelance contract workers, consultants. So let's throw them into a big bucket. They're mm-hmm. 34% of our economy. In I think in the U.S. here, I don't have global numbers. It's right. predicted to be 50% in like probably 10 years, 10 yeah. to 12 years. Yeah. And so when you think about that, well, okay, what has to happen for us to have that many that aren't sitting at a desk? every day or working remotely with a corporation, they're going to do that specialist thing. And and the companies are still going to have what they need. And the companies that don't respond this way are going to um, suffer the creative destruction piece that if they don't respond, they're just going to gradually over a period of a few years become irrelevant and be
0: replaced by something else. It's happening. We have stats on that. Yeah, because I mean, I've I've talked, I've heard some other speakers with the IFTF. We're, we're 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 connected through them anyway, and the there was this future work thing where they were talking about um, at some point we're going to have every organization will will fall into three layers. There'll be leadership, administrative, and workers. And it's kind of like the Uber model where you have leadership, you have – but then the middle layer is sort of replaced by algorithms, and then you have the workers, right? And then I think the one more thing that they talked about was sort of there's a special class of wizards that kind of work with the leadership to implement the algorithms. So, I mean, how do you feel about that model? Is that I mean, it sounds like what you're talking about is kind of moving into that same – it's moving towards that same model where you have all these – free agents at the bottom doing the specialized tasks, and the only thing you have in the middle is sort of like the administrative layer that sort of orchestrates all of the workers.
2: Well, um, the the operative word here is the algorithms. So mm-hmm. everything's being run by an algorithm, um, just having – finished the the sapien book um by herrera
0: oh fantastic book! Uh, i love that book
2: it's just a fantastic book but he talked about well actually it was his second book it was a book about the future right. sapien was a book about how we got here
0: homo deus how, how, homo deus yeah, yeah homo Deus awesome so book. i
2: read the homo deus i was just hooked on that one
0: mm-hmm.
2: and um thank goodness for audible
0: oh yeah and, um, <laughs> that's, that's exactly I can, how i, I can, read books too <laughs>
2: i can read more right even though i don't remember everything but that's okay i being exposed to really great content but mm-hmm. he talks about these algorithms that, that that it's it's all about that and it really
1: it
2: it really got me to thinking about um, i used to think only about algorithms at things like google search algorithms you know i used to be very you know very black and white about it you know 5 years ago and now when you think about everything can be distilled to an algorithm and things that can be distilled to algorithms and processes, um, most of them should be. Yeah. And so I think what you're saying is absolutely true. I would have to think more about the rest of that leadership, administrative. Um, I think some of that is similar to the, the specialists, but I really like your description of the wizards um, because everybody needs um, these people that have, I mean, this is the value of human, human beings, mm-hmm. these, these people that have these insights yep. um, that can see the world in a certain way. I mean, certainly Elon Musk has some insights that the average person doesn't have. He's able to look at something and compile his view and apply it to something else he may or may not know and then do something disruptive. Right, and that that kind of wizardry is very valuable to an organization that wants to stay relevant. Right. So I like what you're talking about, and I'd like to know more about it.
0: Okay, I'll I'll send you some info. <laughs> but that sure. so so in that in that kind of model, uh, we're talking about um, where do you see sort of like the future of the things that some companies are doing today, like things like the forty hour work week. I mean, is that gone? Is it basically disappeared now that 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 sort of thing is like a relic of a past age?
2: I don't know, but I will say my observation is companies that uh, have an element of trust. They have a huge element of trust in their um, workers. It's not going to be about our uh, hours. And I think those are going to be the progressive companies. Mm -hmm. Um, it's been shown in some of those companies that are doing that, that their productivity is going up. This is actually studies. I mean, I wish I was a a PhD professor taking on one of these projects
1: Mm -hmm. that
2: that I would just take on and and write a book like, um, you know, some of these guys like Adam Grant, because they get to study things. But, um, yeah, I do, I do think that, you know, some of that is, is happening.
0: So that's, it's disappearing. It's, yeah. it's no longer a thing. And, and then what about telecommuting? I mean, the interesting thing about telecommuting is that there seems to be sort of waves, right? There are waves of people going, okay, we're all going to be telecommuting. And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, pull back, pull back. We need to collaborate. And then well, let's back out again. So how do you feel about the future of that? I mean, from my perspective, I mean, we're all going to be telecommuting because the commute, I think there was a study that said that of all the things you spend time on, commuting is the absolute most hated thing. So right. I mean, it's like, how can yeah. we eliminate <laughs> eliminate the commute from people's lives? <laughs> uh, well, are we still moving that way it, or is there some back? If it's,
2: going back and, if it's going back and forth, you know, there was that famous thing, you know, uh, Marissa Meyer said, oh, we're going to get people back in the office kind of yeah. thing. Um, I think that that's just a trend. I think the floodgates are open. Um, I think, um, you know, we're going to have to interview more of Generation Z. We know how the millennials feel about it. Um, they are not going to be tied to an office and they are the people that are you know managing the, the world. They, you know, it's, they're coming up to manage the world. Yeah. Um, so they will be making these decisions. And quite frankly, they have done more for quality of the work environment, things like remote working because of their insistence on it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think it's here to stay. And I don't, uh, I mean, there's always going to be a slacker. I mean, we've all been on teams. Sure. Where the team gets the grade, but there's a slacker. Well, they're going to be a slacker no matter what they're doing. Yep. Exactly. So they're going to be a slacker in the old world of hanging around at the water cooler and just getting into everybody's business and not doing their work. But the, um, yeah, I, 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 I think people, I, I think, um, was it, uh, who just, who wrote was it pink that wrote the intrinsic motivation Mm. motivation 2.0 no that wasn't
0: him i don't think so
2: okay i'm 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 lapsing okay but (laughs) they talk about the intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation oh yeah and that yeah yeah, so that um when people are encouraged encouraged or um uh you know helped to uh behave in a way that um, responds to intrinsic versus, here is uh, your raise for this year, you are valued at this X amount of dollars, versus giving them like an incredibly juicy project that they are just motivated because it is a great project that their skills can shine on and they can, gain exposure within their company because they have been successful on this really cool project. Intrinsic motivation. That person is going to stay with the company. That person is going to give their heart to the company versus the extrinsic motivators, which, you know, salary is just one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That, you know, you do this. It's like the classic thing, you know, allowance for the kid. Once you give a kid an allowance, they will never do that task again without um, payment for that task.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What a great parenting lesson. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting you should say that, see cuz I mean, I would say I totally agree, uh, and if I were to start a company today, it would be completely remote. It would be completely remote. Everybody would work from their homes and, you know, if we ever needed to get together, it would be extremely rare. Extremely rare if we if we had to if I were doing that. So So what do you think about, um, so this is kind of leading me towards when we're talking about free agency and all these people are moving towards free agency and there's this word which I absolutely hate called solopreneur that a lot of people are using. But do you find that people are gonna end up being like that? Because I mean, there's a lot of people who say, okay, you know what? I'm gonna do my job, I'm gonna go home and that's it, right? And I don't need to market myself. I don't need to sell myself. I don't need to manage my accounting. I don't need to do all these things that are outside of my scope. And I think what's happening is that uh, in this new world, people are going to have to be more solopreneur-y. They have to have more of those aspects in order to be able to sort of survive in in the world of work. Because you will have to sell yourself. You will have to do marketing. You will have to do accounting. You will have to do all these other things in addition to your core job just to remain sort of remain visible to your employers. Does that sound right?
2: Totally is hundred percent right um that's the premise of the startup of you that Mm -hmm. you are a startup responsible for the marketing and the finance all these things yeah um and it also is very much in support of a fast growing trend that's been on the uptick for about 10 years is the growth of the personal brand be inside organizations
0: right right
2: so um there's a value to um a person in a department in Europe knowing about a person that's really challenged at something that has to do, you know, that that for their project. But if, if they're, if they have personal branding in place for these individuals and you're known for something, you're going to be of of more value because people will know how to relate to you. Whereas if you just take that same person and say, well, I'm just going to work hard. And I'm going to keep my head down. Right. Um, it's it's. do people know that that's of value? Right. Maybe the boss, maybe a colleague that, you know, works with you. But what about somebody two projects over that if they knew about that skill or they knew about that magnificent brain um, that they wouldn't want to um, collaborate with that team or that person?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it is, it becomes one of the realities of the future of work is that you need to build your personal brand, whether external or internal into the organization. And all of those accompanying things need to be done. And you need to learn how to do those in addition to whatever, you know, core thing, like you're a software, let's say you're a software developer, right? I just want to do heads down JavaScript, right? Well, you can't, you can't just do heads down JavaScript. You need to be able to build your personal brand within the organization so they know that you're more than just this heads-down JavaScript guy because, well, you know, maybe that's your brand. Your brand is I can churn out JavaScript like crazy, but people need to know that. So you, the communication skills and the marketing skills of yourself still need to be there so that you can communicate that to others, right?
2: Right. They they, they talk about it a lot in soft skills. I was just talking to a, a junior in college yesterday mm-hmm. um, from the University of Indiana, and um, do you know that they are teaching them in junior year, the importance of soft skills? Mm. He's a finance major, mm-hmm. the importance of soft skills the, he's already gone through branding. He knew his five values already. Nice. Junior in college. Really nice. I nice. was just thrilled to see this. What's the major? Um, um, finance. Oh, perfect. That's great. That's yeah, awesome. So so I mean, but but they don't distinguish what major mm-hmm. you just you all get this. Um, so these are things that you know other people learn later on and say we never learned that. But uh, yeah, it's it's important these soft skills um, and, and just the fact that it, that came out of his mouth. Soft skills, the Gen Z, uh, that soft skills are really important.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so one more thing we're talking about that. <laughs> One more thing I want to throw out then I want your your general opinion on things is so I've looked I mean I have this thought that at some point almost all work is going to be uberized right so you're going to get an app on your phone and you'll be able to say oh I want to work right now so I'll flip it on and then tasks will flow into my inbox and I'll do the work and then I'm saying oh I'm tired I want to take a break I'll just flip it off and I'll stop working do you see that that happening for more than just these kind of um, uh, gig economy jobs.
2: So, um, first, I'm hearing of this with the mm-hmm. way that you're describing it. Uh, I get it. Um, I like this topic. It's similar to the topic that you and I talked about a few years ago at the Institute for the Future. That mm-hmm. you know what what what's happening with these platforms. Um, and at that time, we were talking about a set amount of platforms mm-hmm. i i think that's an intriguing idea um i think uh, if you ask an average person like what do you want in your life like you're working at a corporation or you're not working at a corporation what do you want yeah one of the number one things people ask for is freedom
0: yes yes it's more it's highly like valued than salary rate. bumps right they'll take yeah, that
2: it's like yeah it's so why why wouldn't we be curious to develop that idea or that, that, prototype of an idea. Um, it's probably happening somewhere, but, um, it's, it's a great, I mean, right now we only have certain types of skills that access this, you know, this amount of, you know, maybe it's not work for hire, but it's projects.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: This is how mm-hmm. you get your projects.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, that's a really intriguing idea. Um, and, then, and then what would really be cool about it is if you could actually self-select the project that you are talented in and that you are attracted to, then you're not stuck in the wrong project in the wrong role.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, some of that stuff is actually starting to happen with Fiverr, right? You can actually say, I'm available, I'm not available, so you can flip on your availability. Mm-hmm. So these things are are, are bubbling up in Total freelance situation. So you've got the Uber free. Right. You got Uber, Lyft, Airbnb, not Airbnb. Um, Postmates, uh, Amazon drivers, etc. Has this whole, whole thing where I can say oh, I'm available. I'm not available. You're seeing it in in Upwork and Fiverr and stuff like that. Do you see it uh, bubbling into sort of like regular corporate space where I can say, Oh, I have a project to implement this software. Let me go in and and and, a, and find you know ten programmers that do this kind of work. And I'll just, you know, send it out and then someone will someone will get a a notification saying, hey, here's some work that you might want to do. I feel like working today, so I'll flip it on. I'll flip it off. Do you see that bubbling into the corporate world or.
2: I mean, it's not. I mean, we we see it in these lower paying jobs. Um, I don't. I don't hear of it happening um, in, in what the IFTF would call the savvy consultant. It's not in the savvy consultant realm yet.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Um, the one who really makes good wages. And I, and I got to think that it might have to do with this soft skill thing. Right. You know, if you're on a platform and things are just moving effortlessly to different people, you've got these really cool markets. Um, there, there might have to be, you know, something more of, the essence of who this person is and what their brain is like and, you know, how, how they work with other people on a project, um, on a virtual project together.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Cause it's almost like you're selling, you're saying that the people who liked kind of like just putting their heads down and working would gravitate towards these kind of things. Cause it's kind of like Uber is taking away the marketing sales, uh, accounting aspect of your job and just saying, all you need to do is drive. I'm going to tell you where you pick up and where you drop off. Right. But all you need to do is drive. So it's almost like the people who prefer the I just want to put my head down and do the work will gravitate more towards these kind of gig gigs where that's all they need to do and then the other the the other stuff will stay away from that. So there won't be that kind of uberization of these more higher level jobs because these people have more 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 of the soft skills that they're able to right. work that way. Yeah.
2: And it might be a challenge and it, you just made me realize Something that I heard last week was um, Amazon. Um, of course, there's a shortage of drivers, mm-hmm. and um, is for to get all this stuff done, my sister works for the post office, and do you know that she delivers um, all of the she delivers the last mile out in the the far, let's say the areas that are further uh, away from a city, right? Where it's more rural routes. Um, the po- United States Postal Service, at a very good rate, delivers the last mile of all of those companies for, um, for uh, Amazon, FedEx, everything. Oh, yeah. they, are, they are the final deliverer. So Amazon is they're saying, hey, you know, we can't get you to work for us. Why don't we, like, you can set up as your own business to deliver Amazon stuff. So you won't really be working for us per se, but like you'll be an independent operator yep. and then you'll, you'll turn it on however you want. You can make as much or whatever. So it's a variation on a thing, yep. but they're trying to figure out, we, we need to get the stuff delivered. The post office, like, uh, I don't know if it's going to be a solution forever. Um, you know, because the contract's at such a, a, a low wage that the government's, losing, you know, that government entity is losing money yep. on that deal. Um, so they're, they're trying to figure it out now, uh, but, yep. but it doesn't go back to the thing that you're talking about, about this, um, you know, our friend Herrera would say that, you know, a lot of things could be reduced to an algorithm, mm-hmm. but um, he also acknowledges like what, you know, there is a big question out there about, what is the value that a thinking human being brings to an equation? Exactly, exactly. We sometimes have an over-exaggerated view of the elegance and the or, you know, art of all of that is.
0: Mm-hmm. I,
2: I believe that there's something special uh, when you're, you're creating in this environment that is just totally blue sky.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think we're going to end up doing the same sort sort of thing. I see this pattern in a lot of things. I see the pattern in music and et cetera. So where we see the new technology, we think it's novel, it's great. We start creating things by using this new technology. And then eventually we go, wait a minute, that sounds too – that's like too far out. And then we pull back. And I can see it, it happened in music, right? So music was originally – all analog right and then all of a sudden we had synthesizers and we had all this digital stuff and then music got really synthesy, right so it was really it was a lot of synthesizers going on and we like it was unrecognizable to human ears and then somebody said somebody figured out how to sample instruments and now all almost all of our music is sampled instruments from you know from analog days. So if you think about it, it's kind of funny. It's kind of like we're using really modern technology to reproduce sounds that were generated, you know, when these instruments were first created. So, you know, when was the piano and and all these uh, brass instruments created long, long, long time ago, but you still hear those in modern songs. So we're going to move forward technically, and then we're going to pull back. So I think the same thing's going to happen in w- with work, is that we're going to throw a bunch of stuff into AI and go, hey, AI, you do this stuff, and then we're going to not like the results, and we're going to say, okay, you know what? We need a, we need the human interface. So we'll be working with AI instead of for them in a lot of cases because we still need that human element to to be able to move forward, and I think that's probably where we're going to go. And but that's I've where the jobs
2: too, are. <laughs> I've that's spoken too long, long on that. I mean, no, it's <laughs> totally, ahead. that's where the jobs are when people, you know, there's this whole argument and it's just gets so uh, emotional of, you know, the jobs are all going away. The jobs are all going away. Yeah. If you're agile and you think about, okay, what's happening in my life? What can I do to adapt to it? You're You're going to be this incremental evolution of an individual that Absolutely. by the time this all happens, you're already just going to be so valuable because you're going to be managing something or you're going to be doing something, you know, super creative. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, that's, that's where the jobs are now. Do people want to do that? That's the question. Do they, yeah. you know, do they want to manage AI? Uh, I don't know. I think it, it could be interesting and fun. As long as there's an element of creativity in it uh, somewhere, uh, it could be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because I imagine these sort of human AI teams where the AI does what it's good at and the human does what it's good at or what they're good at, and and you you know, the the sum is greater than the parts. So I think that's where the future work is going, and I'm hoping it's kind of an optimistic view. A lot of people are still saying what you said. Um, but hopefully we're gonna go in that direction. So what are your thoughts? I mean, where are we going next? I wanna hear I wanna hear your sort of blue sky Workplace futurist thoughts on where we're going.
2: Um, I think we're heading to people moving more towards a personal accountability for their life. Mm-hmm. I think you know the the book Design Your Life.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think it's going to be a whole lot more about that, and that we as individuals have that power. To do so, right. um, so I think that's real big. I think um, you know the technology that we can't imagine right now, and that we say, "Oh, you know, we don't really want that." I think it's going to become commonplace. It's like who would want to go back to not getting things delivered to your house yeah, after exactly. the day before you just did it on your app, yeah and you ordered it, and within twenty-four hours it's at your house. We don't want to go back there, and no. and then who doesn't appreciate Um, the algorithms that exist that understand the things that I like. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I don't have to go to the store now, Stitch Fix delivers, you know, they've come to know me over time and they get me things that I've never seen anywhere. And it's me. Mm -hmm. Like who wants to go back to the labor that it takes to do all this other stuff? There's just, um, I think people are going to um, resist. I think people, um, I, the name of my business is constant change. I embrace change, but it it makes me anxious at times. Um, So I'll admit to that. I'm human in that way. But I think that um, it's, it's this adapting to change is what is going to be important. And I think people eventually they just evolve. And it's like Herrera says, it took, few hundred years for us to get a certain kind of automation. And in the next 10 years, we're going to do what we did in 10 years, what we did in the past 200. And so we are in for a wild ride. So if we do feel a bit of anxiety, I think that's probably a little normal because things are happening fast. But I think, you know, Generation Z and the ones that are behind them, their brains are adapting to that as well. So we, you know, our brains aren't quite there yet, but we're doing the best we can um, to uh, have our brain, you know, use the wired brains that we have, and hopefully some neurons will connect in certain ways and help us to adapt, even um, as an older population.
0: Yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. So that's great. Can you? So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, and by the way, I I need all you to email all the links all to the books that you mentioned on the show today because I want to send them out to everybody. Um oh, So sure. if somebody gets gets in touch with you. What's the best way?
2: Um, the best way is um, I just redid my website. Um, nice. It is now mar- martyconstant.com. dot com. That mm-hmm. is M A R T I K O N S T A N T dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, the name of the company is constant change. And the book that I published and I, I write about some of these things in there is, um, activate your agile career. Nice. And that is on Amazon. Um, and I'm already researching another one. Um, and, uh, that book is actually being used at a, uh, California university, uh, this fall in the career development space. And Beautiful. I was, I, you know, it's, Designing your life from Stanford professors is in a lot of universities. And just to know that my book is starting to make some inroads into there. It's not just for mid career people, but it's also for the coming of age.
0: Nice. Fantastic. Well, that's great. Well, I'll get the links out in the in the in the show notes. And uh, thank you so much. It was fantastic. I love talking to you.
2: I'll send you the, uh, the things right now. And by the way, um, it's the book Drive, what I was talking about. Oh, yes, Drive.
0: That, I remember Drive.
2: Intrinsic and extrinsic, yeah.
0: Definitely Dan Pink. I remember he, that.
2: <laughs> he's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I love that guy. <laughs> okay. So there you have <laughs> Thank it. Thank you so much. Have a great one.
0: All right. All right. You too.
2: Thanks. Bye.